This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we've got a meaty topic and a great guest. Uh, we're going to be talking about office safety in a world changed by what? The pandemic that we're all going through. And uh, Norman Ford is going to be our guest. And so we're going to get right into it. Norman, would you do me and the audience a favor and introduce yourself? Hey, thanks, William. Uh, my name is Norman Ford, and I'm the Vice President of Compliance Products for Skillsoft. I've been with Skillsoft for a little more than 17 years. Uh, my background has really been in compliance for all of my professional life, either on the operational end uh, in the nuclear power industry, uh, nuclear weapons production, U.S. Navy. Uh, and then beyond that, I've been with Skillsoft uh, doing compliance training. So oh, did uh, did you ever run up, run across uh, Johnny Ambrose? Yeah, yeah, John and I are still good buds. He I've uh, I, I will I won't say how long I've known him cuz I would date me. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a wonderful wonderful example of uh, example of a human being. So good good yep. chap. Uh, office safety. This is a this is a great topic for us, especially now because you know when you're in the office, everybody you know it's easy to think about office safety because there's the posters and you know all that other stuff that's there. But we're not in the office, or if we're in the office, there's new things to kind of deal with. So take us take us. I guess the first question I'd like to start with is, you know, how is how are we thinking about safety now? As we're as we're in the pandemic, uh, and take us into what you're learning uh, from your vista. Well, I guess there's there's a couple of things. One is we still have a lot of people who are essential workers who had never left their workplace. Uh, they're just kind of plowing through, doing the best that they can. And then, of course, there are folks like you and I who are working from home and away from the office. And both of these groups of folks present, you know, differing challenges. And, you know, first off, if I think about um, those of us that are working from home, we're, you know, it ranges from we're working at our dining room table for, you know, eight hours a day or from our sofas, uh, or, you know, if we're lucky enough to have a home office, we're working from there. But all of those present a lot of safety concerns, um, you know, it's things like ergonomics. Mm. It's the best for your body to be sitting on a sofa, you know, hunched over your laptop uh, doing emails <laughs> for eight hours. Probably not, you know, or, or uh, you know, is the lighting right? There's all kinds of uh, safety concerns there, even so much as things that you need to think about, like uh, fire protection. I mean, um, we all tend to think that we have good fire protection at home, but do we? And, and OSHA looks at those kinds of things. When, when an employer asks uh, its employees to work in a location, uh, then that becomes the de facto employer's work location. And so 
those safety concerns that apply in a, in a building owned by the employer can also apply to your, your workplace. Right. So those things that need to be considered. And then when, of course, when you think about uh, those employees that uh, never really left their workplace, either because um, they couldn't work remotely and or they're an essential employee, then, um, then you need to think about, well, how can we protect those workers? Um, a classic example uh, would be those workers in meat production uh, processing facilities where, you know, that job requires them to work side by side in close contact. Uh, is that the right thing to do in the midst of a pandemic? No, not really. Uh, so employers need to consider uh, things like uh, evaluating the risks, uh, putting in place protections, whether it be things that we refer to in the industry as, as controls, administrative controls, engineering controls, personal protective equipment. Uh, and I could, talk, <laughs> I could talk for the remainder of the day on that, on those topics, if you'd like. But, um, but yeah, so those things are things we need to consider. So years ago, an assessment firm showed me a safety assessment. And it kind of blew me away because I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that world for a while. And they basically, it was, it was a personality assessment that basically assessed one's um, risk factors. And, and whether or not they had the personality that was hardwired for safety or not for safety or, or for more risk. So the, the question for, you know, the, the question I'd like to ask you is in terms of recruiters and, and HRs is what questions should they be asking now or maybe even pre-COVID, you know, quite frankly, but what questions should we be asking candidates that are safety oriented or compliance oriented? Well, and really, you know, what I, when, I, when I'm talking to uh, organizations or even when I was, you know, managing my own business, one of the things that's really important is, is that each business is different and the way that every business views risk is different. So I think it's really important that businesses understand uh, how, they, how they view or value risk uh, and and really hire accordingly. And so what I mean by that is uh, it, it, you may be the type of organization that's, uh, that is a, a startup new business where, where you're maybe not so concerned about risk. But on the other side of the coin, you may be an organization that um, is well-established in the public eye. Uh, you're doing things that present a high degree of risk both to the organization your customers and the like. And so once you understand what your tolerance for risk is, ideally what you do is you interview people that their culture is consistent with your culture so that there's not this huge dichotomy between, you know, how your employee or your prospective employee views risk and how your organization views risk. So what I recommend is that you know, in the interview process, that you really approach it from a behavioral-based questioning standpoint. It, you know, it, if you just ask questions directly, like, would you ever consider breaking the law in order to meet production goals? I mean, there's the obvious answer to that question. So the way to get around that, if you really want to understand, you know, what that, what that person's uh, risk tolerance is or safety behavior is, is you, 
you ask them behavior-based questions and you do that in the form of scenarios. You set up situations that in some cases require them to choose between A or B and it's those choices that they make allow you to assess their tolerance to risk and their reaction to risk. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. What, what part of the interview process, I, want to, I don't want to be assumptive, but if we're going late with a candidate and we're, you know, it, it looks like this is going to get down into the two, three can, you know, candidates and, and we're going to get potentially down into the job offer, what part, what role does safety play? Do we, do, should we have them, you know, I know in the onboarding we go through this. So after the hire, we're, we're obviously going to go through a bunch of compliance stuff. Like that's stated and covered. But should we pull some of that stuff forward into the recruiting process with candidates? Should we go through and talk them through, you know, our approach and our, you know, our guidelines and kind of how we behave, et cetera. Like, should we, should we bring that stuff into talent acquisition? Should we bring safety into talent acquisition? I think it's important that, um, that candidates know, you know, what, how you view safety and how, uh, not just safety specifically, but right. uh, things, you know, things like your, your, care for the environment, your, cult, your company culture around social issues, all of those things. I think it's really important for a, a, an organization to put themselves out there, so to speak. And the reason why I say that is because remember the ultimate goal is, is the marriage between the organization and their prospective employees. And you really want to make sure that, that uh, it's a good match from the get-go, or at least there's not going to be any surprises, you know, one or two or three years down into the relationship. And so I think, I think that's important. I also think that, quite frankly, I think you attract um, better candidates when right. you do that kind of thing. Uh, right. It opens yourself up to a larger spectrum of qualified candidates uh, that you may not otherwise attract. I like that. I, I, you know, I think the same thing is true in compliance. Like let's, uh, if we're a really compliance driven firm, then let's talk about it. Like let's go through, you know, maybe some things that have, have gone, got sideways and let's yeah. talk openly about that with candidates. I, lo I love that. I think you're right. I think values, I think all of that stuff, the more we pull that forward, it's that match. And if this doesn't match and it repels you, well, then great. I mean, like, that's okay because uh, there's, there's another company over there, another job out there for you that would fit. Um, but I, I like that. I like that. I love your response. Uh, I want to pull this into HR a little bit um, and get out of talent acquisition for just a moment. Um, what do you think are the most important things for HR to, to, to do right now, especially to ensure kind of employees' safety in the workplace and the workplace now being kind of redefined, of course. Uh, but what, what should, what's, what's HR's role here? Well, I think HR's role is to work with um, the folks in the organization who are responsible for safety and work in tandem to make sure that the, the workplace it has been evaluated um, and the proper steps have been taken to protect the workers. And then then also to, to establish a communication protocol with the workers. But what I mean by that, on the safety side of the house, on the technical side of the house, you know, there's a very structured and disciplined approach to evaluating safety concerns, particularly in the midst of a pandemic and when there's the safety concern is a virus. 
And so, um, you know, OSHA's outlined that very clearly, well established. Uh, you go through the bit about uh, a bit about analyzing what the hazard is, how to control the hazard in terms of um, perhaps eliminating the hazard uh, from the workplace. And one of the, the ways that we've done that is we've asked people to work from home, right? So if you don't have you don't have people coming into the office, you know, uh, rubbing elbows with with each other, uh, they're not likely to transmit uh, the virus to one another if they're working at home, sheltering in place. Uh, that's one way to eliminate uh, the hazard. And then further on to that, there's things like engineering controls. We talked about, um, uh, you know, in the workplace in the meatpacking industry where they've, they've actually set up physical barriers between the workers, plexiglass shields. Um, you know, there may be things that you can do uh, in terms of traffic control within the, the office environment or the workplace. Administrative controls, policies and procedures are hugely important. Because that's how an organization communicates the expected behavior and actions that they want their employees to take. So you establish those, those, those policies and procedures, and then you have to communicate those effectively. And what I always suggest being in the training world is, you know, not all policies and procedures are, are the same. You know, some are designed to address a low risk issue. Some are designed to address a high risk issue. For those higher risk issues, you, you, you assign a higher level of rigor, which means you may assign training along with that. You may require a test. You may even require an electronic signature to make sure that they really understand, hey, read this, understand it, make sure you understand it, and sign that you've done it because, you know, this is pretty important. And then lastly, you know, it, personal protective equipment may be uh, needed. Um, as we see with the virus, you know, maybe we want everybody to wear masks within the workplace. Right. So let's, so, let's deal with that because that's uh, two questions left. One is, is, is the one that, that you just kind of spurred me on to is post COVID. So we, you know, whether or not it's November or next November, whenever at there is at, at uh, hopefully there is a, a point in which, um, that this thing is either over or at least uh, drastically reduced, and people are going to go back to the workplace, um, and they're going to reopen. What what are, what do you what do you kind of see as the policies and procedures uh, of reopening, if you will? Um, and then again, you've already mentioned communication, and I'm appreciative that you have because it's one thing to have policies and procedures; it's yet another to then get people to consume them uh, and 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 understand them and all that other stuff. So let's let's imagine, let's wave you know, or wave a, a magic wand, and it's post COVID. And people are going back to the workplace. Uh, fantastic. <laughs> what what what's your what's your thought process right now of how they re-enter the workplace and what kind of policies, procedures, and communication strategy? Well, and um, that's an interesting question because um, you know what does what does post-COVID look like? I, I think, uh, and what is what's the definition of post-COVID? Is it when we get the vaccine? And does that mean that more than 50% of our working population uh, takes the vaccine? Do we have, quote, unquote, herd immunity? And so, um, you know, obviously, I think people are, people are already returning to the workplace. Right. Um, and so they're returning to the workplace, and in in a, it's not post-COVID yet. And so there are some very 
very different things that employers are doing now uh, in order to support that return to work. And those things, you know, even after the vaccine and even after we, we quote unquote say that, you know, it's post COVID, those, some of those things may carry over. So I guess what I'm thinking, let me just tell you where I'm going with this right now, as people are actually back to work uh, in many cases, um, you know, employers are looking at things like um, uh, modifying or at least updating their ADA and EEOC uh, policies around reasonable accommodation and medical exams, because what we're trying to do is to identify employees who, who may or may not be sick. And what we're doing in some cases is that we're conducting medical exams. Employers are conducting medical exams on their employees as they come into the office almost on a daily basis or come into the workplace on a daily basis. A quick, quick note about that. Yeah. How does that either clash or combine with HIPAA? Well, it's not really a HIPAA issue. It's an ADA okay. issue. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Uh, so, so, um, so HIPAA, you know, would apply in a, in a different realm, but the, right, it's right, an, right. an ADA issue. So, the, you know, if, if you're conducting a medical examination, that includes, you know, taking their temperature or even asking them questions, you have to, and you keep that information, you have to keep that information separately from their, from their uh, employee records. Right. Maintain their confidentiality. And so, um, you know, and other things, you know, unfortunately we're seeing an uptick in things like uh, discrimination based on race. Right. Um, and so I think that's something that employers need to be cognizant of. And that may be something that may continue post-COVID. Um, and I also think there's a greater awareness about disease transmission in general. I mean, we're, we are absolutely certain. There's no doubt that, uh, you know, there will be another unfortunate virus or health issue that we're going to have to deal with. It's just a question of when that happens. And so I think people are, have a greater sense of awareness around hygiene and safety protocols. And so I think that's going to change, you know, how we clean our facilities um, with the expectation of, of, you know, disciplinary action, for example, for non-compliance of some of these safety-related issues. It may, you know, it, I think it may become more formalized. Um, employee notification protocols is another example. You know, if you're sick, um, you know, make sure that their the employees are made aware that they really need to either stay at home or, and notify their work, their uh, employer uh, of those things. There's a whole host of things that I think are going to come out of this. Yeah. It's, it's funny, as you mentioned, the uh, keeping a separate file. Um, I, I wonder, and I'll wonder out loud, but I wonder how many HR folks are thinking that thought right now. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder yeah. how many of them are actually contemplating because so much of HR is, fi you know, fighting fires. And I wonder, I wonder how many of them are actually thinking about, okay, this is one of the things we're going to set up, which is a, a great part of why we're having this conversation. Um, okay, so, so last question, and it's a fun one. Um, best compliance advice, because you've been doing this a long time, so you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of war stories best compliance advice that you've ever heard or given uh, to HR and recruiters? And you can separate them if need be. It's compliance advice. Um, 
Well, you know, I, I think I, I think be proud of um, be proud of your safety and compliance program, and use that as a differentiator um, for hiring your for hiring and, and retaining your staff, and know that compliance is if you're doing it right, it's not an overhead cost to the organization. It's actually a way that organizations can improve their business outcomes. And oftentimes, I, you know, I have to, uh, you know, when I, when I say those grandiose pronouncements about how, how you know, the importance of safety, uh, you know, coming from a safety evangelist, a compliance evangelist, you know, there's this often there's this head scratch and doubt on on, on the, the HR person's face or even the, you know, the senior manager's face. So, well, you you're gonna have to explain to me how that's the case. And uh, and so I oftentimes go into these um, these discussions about you know it, it comes down to lost time. It comes down to um, uh, improving the brand of your company. Uh, which can result in increased sales. It, it includes, you know, keep keep your organization from being fined, uh, increase retention, attracting, you know, uh, higher quality, higher caliber staff. You know, it's some of the things we touched on already, but uh, um, but I think, um, yeah, I think I think it's it's educating, you know, the folks in, in the rest of the organization outside of compliance is really uh, somewhat of a challenge, but it's also an exciting challenge because uh, oftentimes I find, you know, I can see the light bulb coming on and I can see people, particularly when you, when you say, well, here's the organizations that are doing it right. And here's organizations that are obviously doing it wrong. And we know, you know, we know from, uh, you know, if you just look at discrimination, harassment, right. We know the organizations that are doing it wrong and we know, the seriousness of uh, those organizations doing Iran and the ramifications of it. Some of those organizations, let alone the folks in those organizations, are no longer around. Right. First of all, I think it's beautiful. The advice of being proud, uh, the implication is that you're doing it the right way. And, uh, you know, safety and compliance for, for years has been in some ways demonized or is, is, is seen as the enemy. Uh, and, it's, and it's not. It's actually, it's, it's far from the enemy. And in my opinion, it, it's something in the way that I, I love the way that you kind of uh, brought, you know, you should be proud if you're doing it the right way and you actually have these protocols in place, then you should be proud of that. Like, cause there's not a lot, there's, there's businesses that don't do it that way. And so it should be celebrated, which I, which I really love. That's actually a really, really cool thought. Um, so thank you for that. That was very cool. Thanks. So, so Norman, I, I appreciate a, I appreciate you coming on uh, and you've schooled us on some things that we don't talk about a lot, especially, you know, with, with the audience of recruiting daily. Uh, we don't, we don't talk about safety and compliance that much, but I love that you basically said, you know what you should. <laughs> you know, bring it forward bring it into the process and be proud of it which uh, if 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 the uh, listeners get anything from that if they get that that's that's fantastic so thank you very much well and thanks for the opportunity i really enjoyed this uh it was it was uh it was relaxed and and as you say it was very conversational so 
Uh, I appreciate the opportunity and chance to speak with you and the, the audience. All righty. Well, until next time, thank you for listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. It's been William Tinkett. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com. 